Today we're going to continue with our series in the book of Acts. I'm going to ask you to stand. If you have two good working legs or feet, or even if you don't, please stand. (laughs) And we are going to continue where we um, stopped last week. Did anyone read Acts chapter 8 last week? Anyone read Acts 8? I saw a hand back there. Someone raise a hand back there. I see. Okay. Acts 8. We're going to pick up there. I want you to bow your head, your heads with me as we pray. Today we are thankful for the privilege again of being able to bring your word. We thank you for life. We thank you, Lord, that for the freedom that you've given us in this country. We're able to, Lord, develop businesses. We're able to go where we want to go. And we thank you today for that. There are many countries that don't have the freedom that we have. Today we are praying that we will truly recognize what a blessed nation and people we are. We thank you right now for the freedom that we have in Christ, that we can serve you and honor you freely. We can worship you without fear of the police coming in at this time to take away what you rightfully have given us. You've given us life. You've given us freedom. For we get our freedoms in the Lord Jesus Christ. May we never forget that. Thank you for the word of God. Pray that you will anoint me today as I bring the word. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. As you're sitting down, just look at your neighbor and tell him the Holy Spirit is not for sale. (laughs) That's what we're going to be Addressing today, the Holy Spirit is not for sale. I need to give prompts to uh, Sister Lene. I asked her if she would be willing to do the board. I took the picture down last a uh, couple of days ago of my dad out there. We'll probably just set it on the side for the um, December the 8th in honor of him that day. But her, my son, they cleaned up back there. I don't know if y'all saw that when y'all walked in. And somebody walked past. I didn't see anything. <laughs> exactly. Um, but I want to thank you for taking on the responsibility. If you want to know what the scripture is for next month, it is on that side of the wall. So if you walk out the back after church, it is posted out there what the scripture memorization is. So please feel free to look at that because there are a number of you who have volunteered to quote it next month. May I see the hands again of those who are going to be given stand the scripture next month? I saw uh, there were at least 12 people. I see half. Okay, okay, okay. One at a time, kind of like popcorn going up. Okay, all right, okay. In your Bibles, I want you to turn to the book of Acts, chapter 8. I'm going to read verses 9 through 25. Again, ushers, I can't thank you enough as I open my water. Thank you. <laughs> Room temperature, not too cold. There's no lipstick on my water. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. I know that it hasn't been opened. Thank you. (laughs) Acts chapter 8, beginning at verse 9. I'll be reading from the NIV as I normally do. If you have a translation, what we hope to do soon is have the translation of NIV up here as well. So whatever version a person may be reading from, We want to be able to have that version available as up on the board as well. 
Acts chapter 8, beginning in verse 9. It says, Now for some time a man named Simon had practiced sorcery in the city and amazed all the people of Samaria. He boasted that he was someone great, and all the people, both high and low, gave him their attention and exclaimed, This man is rightly called the great power of God. They followed him because he had amazed them for a long time with his sorcery. But when they believed Philip, as he proclaimed the good news of the kingdom of God, in the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Simon himself believed and was baptized, and he followed Philip everywhere, astonished by the great signs and miracles he saw. Verse 14. When the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God, they sent Peter and John to Samaria. When they arrived, they prayed for the new believers there that they might receive the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit had not yet come on any of them. They had simply been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then Peter and John placed their hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. When Simon saw that the Spirit was given at the laying on of the apostles' hands, he offered them money and said, Give me also this ability so that everyone on whom I lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit. Peter answered, May your money perish with you because you thought you could buy the gift of God with money. You have no part or share in this ministry because your heart is not right before God. Repent of this wickedness and pray to the Lord in the hope that he may forgive you for having such a thought in your heart. For I see that you are full of bitterness and captive to sin. Then Simon answered, Pray to the Lord for me so that nothing you have said may happen to me. After they had further proclaimed the word of the Lord and testified about Jesus. Peter and John returned to Jerusalem preaching the, good new, the gospel in many Samaritan villages. The title again is what? The Holy Spirit is not for sale. When one takes a close look at how God moves, it is often in direct opposition of how we think it should be. We think it should be one way, and God does something totally different. The, the way up is to humble yourself. The way to treat an enemy is to be kind to them rather than trying to get even. Be faithful in your giving, giving to God even though you don't see how you're going to pay your bills. Wait patiently on God when you need an answer right now. One would think that the persecution of the church would cause the church to shrink back and to become quiet and become a pushover. But God chose expansion of the church through the death of his servants. In Samaria, there was pain and suffering. Do, does anyone remember what I said about Samaria last week? What do you remember about Samaria? Does anybody know or remember what we said about Samaria? There were, the people were mixed. The Jewish people intermarried with the 
people that the king of Assyria had brought into the land. At least five different groups. And that group made up the Samaritans. Who founded the, the town of Samaria or the hill of Samaria? You remember his name? Omri, who was the father of who? Ahab's father. <laughs> There's pain and suffering in Samaria. Not because of the mighty word of God, but because of sin and because of a selfish, devilish person by the name of Simon, who was draining people out of their money and claiming to be someone great. The first point that we, we're going to address today, if you're writing the points down, Simon's occupation slash one of deceit and lies. Simon's, Simon's occupation, one of deceit and lies. Working for the devil never has an ultimate good outcome. Did you hear me? Working for the devil never has a good outcome. One might even become very, very wealthy and be hailed by the people as somebody great or someone great. But working for the enemy ultimately does not have a good end. Satan has so fooled and tricked people that somehow you're missing out on something good if you wait. He has taken the blessings of God and told people that you can violate the command of God by having it now. There are certain principles to follow according to the word of God. But yet Satan tells you, oh, why wait on what God says when you can enjoy the forbidden fruit right now? Simon's use of magic and enchantment and sorcery in Samaria did nothing to relieve the people of their misery. The people hailed him as somebody great. But the very thing that he practiced was the very thing that God had told the people of Israel that you are not to be involved in. Sorcery does not get its power nor strength from the Almighty God. Sorcery comes straight from the bottom of the pit. I have seen people looking for an emotional high or something that makes them feel good immediately. But they don't look for the person that brings everlasting change. People are quick to try to find something that pacifies the flesh. But when it comes to the deeper spiritual truths of life, people are willing to bypass it and let it go. Why? Because Satan has so full people that you can have everything right now. It was the coming of Philip to Samaria that the people noticed a difference between what they had been receiving and what they now heard being preached by Philip. You see, Simon told the people all the things they wanted to hear. He puffed himself up. He gave them things that pointed everybody to him. In other words, when he spoke, everybody said, oh, look at the great things that this man is doing. But nobody saw Jesus. Anytime a person is being seen and the Lord is not being seen, you're going to have problems on your hands. 
Anytime a person is lifting themselves up and Christ is not seen, you can be sure that Satan is ruling in that place. Simon brought misery, but when Philip came on the scene, the people began to change and to, and to turn to the Almighty God. You see, it requires the Word of God being preached in order to bring a difference and change in a person's life. People that want to be just simply pacified want to have their ears tickled, but not their hearts changed. You see, even the people in Samaria didn't fully know what they were missing because they were under an illusion, under a spell. But when the Word of God came, the Word of God broke the spell that Simon had been given the people. Everything that glitters is not, is not gold. Someone who can amaze you as being someone great can also be the devil in sheep's clothing. You see, Satan comes as an angel of light. He'll give you what you want for the moment, but don't think that he's not going to expect something in return. You see, Satan is out for your soul. He'll give you what you want, but the price is too high. I think I told you this before. When I was a teenager, we used to sing, and there was this event happening right down by the police station where it is now on the side. The houses weren't there. And if I recall, they put up a tent, and so we had to sing. And we really didn't want to go there that, that, that evening, but we went. But there was a message that that minister preached. And I recall just one part of what he said. I don't remember all the other stuff he said. But I remember one analogy that he gave. And that was, and I don't even remember what the, what the whole story that was about, but there was, it was dealing with the purchase of something. And he said to the person, no price too high. No price too high. The person, upon hearing these words, went out and purchased this item that this person said, but they misunderstood him. It was no comma. Price is too high. <laughs> they mistook no price too high rather than seeing the comma. No, the price is too high. Don't buy it. And what Satan does, he twists things so that we hear one thing and see one thing. But behind it, we don't recognize that the price is too high. You, 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 you can't pay. You can't pay the price that Satan will place upon your life. He demands too much. He extracts too much. If Adam and Eve knew what the price would be, if they understood, they may have thought, mm, we better not even go near that tree. But you see, there was the allurement. There was this, this visualness of this item that they were not supposed to, not supposed to eat from. And Satan, what he would do, he's not going to bring you something you don't like. I already told y'all that I don't like peas. You can't tip me with peas. I don't like them. I like apple pie. 
I like ice cream. I even like the Five Guys burgers. Some of you even heard of Five Guys. I, I, let me bring, I even like In-N-Out Burger too. <laughs> I have to watch those places. Make all the peas and lima beans you want. I don't like them. My taste buds don't go for those items. But those other things, you can tempt me with that. <laughs> Satan knows what each of you likes. He knows your weaknesses. He knows your, your, the areas of your life where you're struggling. And he'll come and push that button until he says, ah, oh, yep, that's what I thought. Right at your weakest point, that's when he's coming. You see, the people of Samaria have been plagued with sorcery. There was a cloud of darkness over the land. But Simon was one of the main culprits. Do you not realize that when Philip left Jerusalem, it wasn't because he wanted necessarily to leave, but because of the persecution that was taking place. And when he went to Samaria and began to preach the gospel, the exposure of who Simon really was was revealed. And Simon himself even realized and recognized that what I've been doing, all this magic, all this pulling of the wool over people's eyes is exposed. And I realized that what this man has is genuine. It's not counterfeit. I went to the bank few years ago, and I got a $5 bill. I didn't know at the time until I went to Wells Fargo to make a deposit that when I took it out, it didn't feel right. And the person at Wells Fargo took it and stopped, held it up, and said, this is not real. I'm thinking to myself, I ain't trying to get over on you. <laughs> That's what I'm thinking. Because I felt some this $5 it's counterfeit. They felt it immediately. And no, this wasn't right. And when I took it out, I said, this doesn't feel right. I went back to the credit union and said, I took this to Wells Fargo because I got it from here. And it's not right. It's counterfeit. The person took it who had given it to me and goes, oh, I don't know how I missed that. And gave me another $5 bill. That $5 I have no idea where it had been, many places possibly, but it wasn't the real thing. A person that was trained to be able to detect it found out and knew about it right away. But the person that was untrained thought something may not be right, but didn't really quite know if it was or wasn't. You see, if you don't get yourself in the Word of God, if you don't place yourself under the direction of God's word and in line with what he's doing, you won't, you won't recognize the counterfeit when it comes. You'll be guessing and thinking, oh, that sounds so good. I could throw some names out to you right now. You might think, oh, really? Him? They, they're, not, they're not teaching? Why? Because it requires a person to be so familiar with the word of God, that when something comes along, 
that you're able to detect it right away. Something is not right. Samaria, a place under siege because of Simon, is now being transformed because of the word of God. Philip is being used by God in marvelous ways and people are being delivered from demonic oppression and their lives and burdens are being lifted. He knew that he was real and that he was not a counterfeit and Simon knew that Philip was real and that he was a counterfeit. He knew because of the tricks he had been playing on the people. Anytime you are used by the enemy in counterfeiting good works, you're going to have a hard time verbally recognizing and giving honor to God. Anytime Satan is on the throne, you can be assured that honor is not going to be going to God. Anytime you are, that, that Satan is reigning, you're going to be saying, mm, I didn't get no recognition. They just passed right on over me. I should have been recognized for what I've done. Hmm, I'm not going back there because they didn't even say thank you. They should say thank you. But they didn't say thank you. So I'm going to go find some place where I can be appreciated. And then you get there and three months later the same thing happens. I'm going to find some other place where I can be appreciated. You find some other place and two months later the same thing happens. I'm going to find some other place. And the moment somebody says something to me wrong, I'm going to tell them off. And so we go around trying to pacify the flesh. Rather than dealing with the internal man on the inside, we can't have the counterfeit. We need the real person of Jesus Christ. As long as the word of Jesus Christ was neglected and not proclaimed in Samaria, the people were destined to remain under the illusion of sorcery and giving false claims to a false person. The not demonic possession and oppression would be the town's future. But when Simon saw the power of God working in Philip's life, he followed him everywhere. In Acts chapter 8, verse 9, in looking at Simon's profession, there are different theological points of view regarding whether Simon was really saved or not. I asked you last week I, the question, was Simon really saved? Even theologians differ in regards to what they believe in this, in this matter. While it clearly says in Scripture that he believed and was baptized, the issue centers around Peter's words to him about the condition of his heart that we read further down. Then on the other hand, the argument is expressed that when a person is a new believer in Christ, they often still express a tendency to live in the flesh as they learn to walk in their new way of life. And we'll come back to that later. Point number two, you hurry on. The Holy Spirit given by Christ to the Gentiles in Samaria. The Holy Spirit given by Christ to the Gentiles in Samaria. For a brief period of time, the Holy Spirit coming into a person's life was a separate act of grace after a person accepted the Lord Jesus Christ. There were two distinct events that happened in the life of a person when the Holy Spirit initially came on the scene in the book of Acts. A person accepted the Lord, then there was a separate indwelling of the Holy Spirit. That didn't last too long. When a person today accepts the Lord, the Holy Spirit comes simultaneously to enter that person's life 
and to live in that person's life at the acceptance of Christ. But initially, it was a separate act of of the Lord God Almighty. When the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God, Peter and John were sent to verify what they had heard and to assist Philip in the ministry and encourage and to encourage the church. The apostles did not go to Samaria to say, this go make sure that Philip ain't lying to the people. They did go to investigate, but they didn't go to badger and to be down. Because what was taking place when the persecution occurred in Jerusalem, the Bible says that the apostles remained there. We don't know or find in Scripture how it is that they actually remained in Jerusalem while everyone else was scattered. The Scripture does not give the information in the passage in regards to why they weren't scattered. We have maybe some ideas, but it does not say. But Philip was one of the seven, one of the deacons that came, remember, with Stephen that we spoke about? He was one of the deacons. This is not the disciple of Jesus, but one of the deacons that came as part of the ministry to help feed the widows. This is that same Philip, after Stephen is stoned, who comes on the scene and goes to Samaria. He is scattered or leaves Jerusalem after the persecution began. And so he's the one that's in Samaria given the word of God. So the apostles, because the Lord had given them the, the, not, not only the privilege, but certain power to also drive out demons and had given the authority to, to be his, his inner group, the Bible says that the apostles were sent to verify the work that was happening in Samaria. The place of Jerusalem was the seat of the authority of the church, and the apostles, things had to filter through them to make sure it was genuine. Today when churches come up, as long as they're preaching the word of God, it's great. But at that time, there was no way of making sure that what's going out, if it's correct. So in Samaria, the apostles here, and the church sends Peter and John. Now, it is interesting that Peter and John are the ones that are sent, because remember earlier, they were the two that healed the man that was lame at the gate called Beautiful. Peter and John were partners before they came to the Lord. They were fishing partners. They were the ones who worked together. They were part of the inner group when Jesus called the apostles. You will find different occasions when these two alone are mentioned in Scripture as ministering together. And so it is befitting that it would be these two that would go to Jerusalem to verify that the work of the Holy Spirit or the work of people being saved is genuine. And so they come to Samaria. Upon them coming to Samaria, they indeed find that the people The Gentiles are being saved. One of the first things that they did, the Bible says, they prayed for them. I am convinced that Satan uses tiredness, other activities in the lives of people to keep them from prayer. You want to go to sleep? Get on your knees. Start praying. (laughs) You get so tired. 
Open your Bible. Can't go to sleep? Don't, get, don't need no sleeping pill. Open your Bible. Start reading. <laughs> there is there are there is a spiritual attack on the lives of people when they begin to do what God says. I'm I'm, I'm just amazed when I look at Peter and John that they bathe themselves in prayer. When you look at the very beginning of Acts, you will find before the Holy Spirit came, they were constantly in prayer. When they come to Samaria, one of the first things they did was to pray for the people. Then they asked them a question. Let me just read it here. That they didn't just ask for them, but they said to them in verse number 15. When they arrived, they prayed for the new believers there that they might receive the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit had not yet come on any of them. They had simply been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Verse 17, then Peter and John placed their hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. There is something about placing one's hands on an individual, on an individual to receive a blessing from the Lord. Now let me share this. Something just came to my mind. When the children of the Israel were in the wilderness, there was, there, there were, there was the, the temple sacrifices that occurred and that took place. And there were the sheep that were brought when they were offering sacrifices. But there was also at one point something called the scapegoat. Some of you have heard of the word scapegoat. Well, the scapegoat was a sheep or goat that the priest placed his hands on that goat as a way of transferring symbolically the sins of the people onto that goat. Also, there was a lamb that had to though be slain. So the goat bore the sins, and was actually allowed to leave, go out and be, it was sent away into the desert. That priest that placed his hands on that goat symbolically said that I am taking the sins of the people and placing them on you, and it would be sent into the wilderness. That was called the scapegoat. That's where the name comes from. So when you call somebody a scapegoat, or you said they're making me a scapegoat. You probably have no idea what you just what you're talking about. But but that was so important because that transfer was is what God was honoring. When the Lord healed people, you find him actually laying his hands and touching people. Oftentimes he could just send a word. But you find him touching the lives of people. You find the apostles touching individuals. Lepers were not supposed to be in public. And if you touched a leper, you were, you were considered unclean. But to receive a touch from the Lord cleansed you, made you whole, not only spiritually, but also physically. But sometimes it's just good just to be touched. But when the apostles placed their hands on the people and prayed, the Bible says, they received the Holy Spirit. It was not the power of the apostles. 
It wasn't even the apostles going to Samaria and saying, because we've now come on the scene, now we can say that, yes, you now are saved and everything is right. No, Christ did that. But according to their authority, they came and verified, yes, Christ has indeed done a great work. And we are verifying for the church in Jerusalem that, yes, even Gentiles are being saved. Simon, the sorcerer, when he saw that the coming or giving of the Holy Spirit came about when the disciples placed their hands on the people, he says, how much money can I give you to get this power? And Peter, what were Peter? <laughs> the second time that now sin is creeping into the church, he deals with it immediately. The first people, it ended in death, Ananias and Sapphira. And with Simon, he said, you know what he actually said? You know the actual translation? May you and your money go to hell. That's according to Dr. R.C. Sproul. Yes, 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 yes. May you and your money go to hell. <laughs> and I ain't cussing. <laughs> That's what Peter told him. Today, we'll say, may you and your money perish. Same vernacular, go to hell, <laughs> is what he said. Then he said something that's really interesting. Because we read that Simon was one of the ones that had accepted the Lord and was baptized. Verse number 21. You have no part or share in this ministry because your heart is not right before God. Repent of this wickedness and pray to the Lord in the hope that he may forgive you for having such a thought in your heart. For this is what Peter says, For I see that you are full of bitterness and captive to sin. When we lay the foundation of what was happening in Samaria, clearly Satan was using Simon. And as a result, the influences, the thing that was, had generated in his heart was still there. If I offered you $10 million, how many people would deny Jesus Christ right now? Now, don't raise your hand. Don't raise your hand. Some of y'all in church right now, <laughs> don't do it. Wait till we get on the outside. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Some of y'all would have some serious pause. The money is right there in the bag. He said, all you got to do is deny Jesus Christ. Say no. And the money is yours. Some of y'all, I already know. <laughs> That's the thinking mode. Hmm. What should I do? <laughs> some of you go, it ain't even a question, no. Some of y'all, y'all be going. <laughs> Take it and fill it and put it back down. I know some of y'all be thinking hard and long about that $10 million. 
I'm going to make it more difficult. 50 million. How many would <clears throat> say, I don't know, a billion? I'm going to offer you a hundred million dollars. I'm going to offer this to you. You can have it. Just say no. You don't know it. Would it be wrong to rob the person? <laughs> rob the person and still keep my salvation? Ain't got to say anything, huh? <laughs> you know, Satan offers the world. The Bible says, what would it profit a man to gain the whole world and lose his soul? There is no guarantee that you would even be able to enjoy it. Every dollar you probably spent, you'd probably be miserable. <laughs> but the Bible says, what would it profit a man to gain the whole world and lose his soul? In other words... There is no price that can be paid. In other words, no, the price is too high. Simon, in trying to offer them money, showed where his heart was. I want to be able to lay my hands on people so that I can be recognized and they can, man, I can market this, man. I can get, ooh, I can get a lot of money. Going around laying my hands on people and this happening? Man, I, I, I got plans for this right now. And when Peter said this, it reveals something about Simon. And the theologians differ on this. Was he really saved? Because if he was saved, why is he doing this? You see, there's lip service that a person can oftentimes give in regards to salvation. I accept the Lord as my Savior, but there's not a change in the lifestyle. I'm done in a few minutes. The, the, the lifestyle remains the same. Lord, you, I, I, I accept you as my Savior, but there's nothing different in the walk. When we read last week Romans 10, 9, and 10, was it 10? I had Sister Ruby to read. I believe it was last week. <laughs> the... There is a confession that has to happen of the mouth, but one has to believe in the heart. They go hand in hand. You cannot separate both. Some of y'all I know, I know, have placed your heart someplace else. Where your heart is, that's where your treasure is going to be. Don't leave your heart with some man or woman that don't know the Lord. It will be broken and stomped on. Where you leave your heart, you're going to be going back forth. Don't leave your heart just any place. <laughs> you, see, you see, we might give the word, but our heart is someplace else. Sometimes you can be right there praying, but your heart can be 3,000 miles away. Where your heart is, where your treasure is, that, that's where your heart will be. Let me hurry up and finish, get, get through this. Peter's rebuke is most fiery and is one that shows that he, of how he responds to sin, 
in the church. Now, there is a positive and a negative to Simon's response. While he asked Peter to pray for him, Peter actually, in fact, told Simon to pray. You don't find Simon praying for himself as Peter had told him to. You see, Peter had already prayed earlier when he got there. And when Simon said what he did, he said, pray. Simon says, I want you to pray. (laughs) And pray that what you said won't happen to me. Not pray that I have a change of heart. Just pray that nothing bad happens. You see, that's what some people want. They just want the pressure off. But they don't want to have a changed lifestyle. If I can only feel better, if I can only get some relief, just like my dad was saying while he was up in that plane before he came to the Lord, plane in this storm, Lord, if you get me down from here, I'll serve you. Oh, just let this plane land safely. And the Lord brought it on through. He went straight to the liquor store (laughs) to get him a nip. (laughs) Yes, 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 yes. When his feet got on solid ground, he forgot what he said. But the Lord did get a hold of him one day. (laughs) And today... He's in glory, honoring and magnifying the king of glory. (laughs) The reason why so many are plagued with the heart of sin is because people refuse to allow the Holy Spirit to clean up the heart. When people are living a life of sin and say, I really need prayer, the prayer needs to be, Lord, change my heart, not simply my circumstances. Hearts need to be changed. I tell you this, when your heart is changed, there will be a change in your character, in your walk, in your lifestyle. Samaria was never the same when Philip left that place. When John and Peter left that place, Samaria was never the same. Lives were turned upside down. People were saved. Simon was confronted. Evil was confronted. It was not something that he wrapped around him and put his coat, his, his coat on to say, now stay warm. No, he dealt with it. Peter was a man. Man, and Peter didn't play. <laughs> I really wouldn't want to be back at that time having lied to the Holy Spirit and have a chance on falling down dead. Uh, I tell you this, if that happened today, what's start happening? I bet there would be a whole lot more, <laughs> I bet people would be a lot more careful in what they said and what they would say. I know I would. Oh, yeah, I, I would. I would. I, am I going to say that? Mm, that? That ain't true. I better, <laughs> mm, I better think about that a second time. Oh, I just love you just like you are my, oh, well, one minute, that person just, just cuss me out. Not, do I really love them right that way just now? I don't think so. <laughs> I 
How you doing? Oh, I'm doing fine. Everything is going wonderful. I don't know what he's calling me. Little, the devil himself, you know. We do, we do that. But you know, if we have a change of heart, we can say, Lord, I pray for my enemies. I pray for those that despitefully use me and that I despitefully use. <laughs> yeah, we need to do that. I need to say this as we come to conclusion. The only way that we're going to experience in our individual lives a change is when we allow the Lord Jesus Christ to do the work, allow the Holy Spirit to move us and to work within our lives. What keeps us from doing what God says all the time we need to do? The moment that the word of God comes to our life, it should have an effect. If we are doing and living a life as unto the Lord, the word of God will find us out. There are times when you will be convicted simply by sitting down, going somewhere. Sometimes you can be all by yourself, and all of a sudden the, you, you, you have something that may have happened, and you'll get convicted. That's what the Holy Spirit will do. That's what you want. That's a good thing. When the Holy Spirit can bring conviction, and you can then change. Says, Lord, I don't want that. I, I don't want the same thing. That's what happened with Samaria. With the preaching of the word of God, the preaching of what their lives were like, the bondage they were in to sin. The gospel freed them, and they experienced the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. That's what God wants for his people. He wants the people of God to obey him, to love him, to honor him, to allow him to rule in their lives. That brings about the change. If you, are trying to bring, if you want change in your life and you are going after things, allow the Lord to do the work. Allow the Lord to bring about the change. If you are in sin today, don't expect God's blessing to be over your life. If you are living in no sin, whatever that might be, don't expect to be a blessed person of the Lord. But tell you what, you will be once God changes that and you allow the Lord to take that from you. He'll change you. Stand to your feet as we conclude. I want people that have a desire the Lord. I want people that said, you know what? I was trying to do what the Lord said, and I blew it. I, I, I didn't quite get it just right. I said the wrong thing to that person, but I was speaking to the word of the Lord, and it just didn't come out right. That's good, because that means you're doing it. You're trying. It's okay to make mistakes doing the will of the Lord. How else do you expect to have an improvement in your life or to allow God to use you if you're not willing to try? It's okay, but acknowledge, you know what? I got to do better. I need to do this. I need to do what the Lord says. I'm going to try it again. Oh, I'm not going to ever try it again because I made a mistake. No, we don't do that. Today in your life, I want you to evaluate right now. Everyone, if you just close your eyes just for a moment. I want you just to evaluate in your life. Please evaluate. Just, just don't take this time as one to where you have uh, gone just through the routine. But I want you to take personal inventory in your life, and I want you to really say, Lord, am I really doing that which pleases you? Am am I receiving the word of God? And then, Lord, am I 
walking and carrying out the word that I'm hearing? Am I allowing the word of God to penetrate my very being? Because the Bible says that we show our love for him when we obey him. Our prayer has to be to obey the word of God. That's what pleases the Lord. Obedience to his word. Today, Lord, we're praying that there will be a heart of obedience that you bring about in our lives. There will be a a desire for the very things of God. Lord, today we pray that you will take us, that you will begin to mold us and make us in your image. You will, Lord, use us. That we, Lord, yes, as the song says, we will surrender all to Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. I know, Lord, today in my life there are areas that have been compartmentalized, that have said off limit. This is off limit to God. Lord, we don't want that. I don't want any area of my life off limits to you. I don't want to, to try to purchase the gift that God has freely given. Lord, we are praying today that our minds will be changed, our hearts will be changed, and our feet will walk out the calling that you have given us today. May we not leave this place the same, but may we, Lord, leave this place eager to walk with the Lord. We love you today. We bless you today. Let's lift our hands in honor of the Lord Jesus Christ for what he's doing. We love you today, Lord, and just pray that you will have your divine way. Thank you today for all that you're doing. You are worthy of all the honor, worthy of all the glory, worthy of all the praise, for the Lord is great and high and lifted up. Blessed be the name of the Lord. The Lord is worthy of praise. Thank you today for what you're doing. As we enter this week, Lord, we we thank you for the thanksgiving that you bring, that you give. We thank you that we can join with one another, join the fellowship of the body and family. We thank you right now for your provisions. And as we partake this week, we recognize that all of it comes from the Lord, the bounty of the Lord God Almighty, And as we partake, we give you the glory right now. We give you the praise, Lord. We love you, we magnify you, and we worship you. May the Lord bless you this week. God bless you as you go on your way. Have a great day and a great Thanksgiving. Lord bless you. Amen, amen, amen.